The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here with the happy task of talking about the defense from that wonderful win out in LA against the Chargers on Sunday night football. And here to join me and talk about it is Denard Milton of the Fire Zone Show. Denard, how are you doing? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? Uh, no complaints. No complaints. Got yeah. the ex-linebacker on. Got a got a good show of linebackers to talk about in addition to a lot of other defensive players. Yes, absolutely. They It was... It was an interesting watch. I will say that it was not all bad, but it definitely wasn't all great. So, anything to complain about in terms of the of the defense for this one from you? Um, just more nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you certain guys had bad series, and you can see it show up in. And the reason why San Diego was able to move the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Well, I think in general, though, we'd say that the defense really bailed out a fairly mediocre offensive effort. Uh, Ravens faced a lot of pressure, a lot of offensive line pass blocking problems, particularly from tackle um, in this game. Uh, Stanley had one of the worst games of his career, even though I don't know if it quite scored that way. We looked at it, but I didn't tabulate it up yet. Uh, be it penalties, pressures, he just looked like crap. Yeah, I, I'm noticing a pattern with teams. If you look at the Colts, the Browns, the team they just played, the Chargers, mm-hmm. um, those teams, in, and 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 Pittsburgh. What do they all have in common? Great defensive fronts, like. Good speed edge type rushers who can keep Lamar hemmed in the pocket from above it and not get too much penetration from the you know those those two big guys up front if you're in a four man rush. So it's causing and those four teams can really do it really, really well. So what you're telling me is they should have no problem handling the Eagles front in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm a little more worried about the the 49er front than I am the Eagle front. Okay, 49er front. Hopefully the Chiefs front at some point they'll face. That's another pretty good one or pretty effective one in general as a group like the Ravens. Yeah. But uh, lots lots still for them to face in terms of good fronts the rest of the year. Uh, I thought we had a a very broad set of outstanding performances. Very difficult game to pick the MVPs for this. Uh, A lot of players uh, really had a hand. Some of them didn't play that many snaps and played great. Others, uh, you know, delivered pressure all night. And uh, guys in the secondary played well in general. I thought uh, just a a fine game across the board from a lot of different players. We'll talk about a lot of the individual players in in part two of the show. Um, Anything specific stand out to you about the game that is like a big takeaway from the game, from the defensive effort? Very physical. Mm-hmm. Very, very physical from the outset. Um, it seemed to me they they took the task on of a team that wanted to reestablish their ability to stop the run. And I know San Diego didn't give them a lot to chew on in the middle of the field, but I, I was impressed with how the front stood up and and the linebackers filled holes when necessary. They did a great job uh, stopping the run, with the exception of the one long run by Herbert, which uh, was a little bit of a breakdown, I felt, in terms of, of how that play developed. Uh, obviously, letting him get out of the pocket, that'll happen. But uh, in how Patrick Queen chased it down, I didn't like it at all. 
So uh, we'll, we can talk a little bit about that. But there's a there's kind of a half speed and a bad angle going on at the same time, which both led to part of that. And then, of course, he's the one who has to really turn on the Jets and make the tackle. But uh, up and down game, I thought from Queen in particular in this game, had some fantastic, enormously key plays in the game, including the forced fumble, the PD on third and six, also had some really bad plays. Yeah, I, I he... <sighs> I, I think, and and as a former defensive player, I, I kind of knew after the, I think it was 18 or 20 play drive, mm-hmm. the defense was spent. I, I'm, I, was, I was shocked that they were able to get the stop on the, basically the last drive for the defense before the offense, mm-hmm. you know, closed it out. But I wasn't surprised that that, that drive after the, tw- the, 18 play drive was going to be a mess and it was and it was a secondary that was tired and there were linebackers who wanted to react and just didn't have energy left at that particular time to do those things all right that's the play after the long drive so okay so they had their long drive Clowney strips the ball the Ravens yep. drove down the f- field pretty effectively and missed the field goal by Tucker. Yes. And yes. then the, the they got the ball back, and that's the one where they stopped them on fourth and six. So they got them to th- got them to third and six. Queen got the PD, and then Mallette got the intentional grounding, effectively a sack. Correct. Uh, side. Oh, yeah, that was it. Was fairly incredible. The kind of the, that fourth and six, and the fact that they were able to stop them there, and I was not optimistic about that at all. Starting field position was good because I think they had a good return on the kickoff, mm-hmm. right? Or on the it was no, a punt. they had a good no, the good starting position from the from the missed field goal. That's what Mr. it was. Yes, yep, yeah. yep. And, yep. And and so I I didn't have a lot of confidence at all they're going to be stop them. And I, I was actually a little bit happy that it was a three a, a three point game. I thought six was worse than three in some sense because if you have a six point lead, you force the other team to play four down football. And I was not confident at all that the Ravens could stop four down football. But, uh, but if, if you, if you leave it as a three play game, then the def- the offense has to play three down football kind of when they get into field goal range. Yeah. And then they give you a chance to basically get out of there with a tie. And uh, boy, that would have seemed pretty good, but I really wanted them to go for the fourth down rather than kick the field goal in that situation with Tucker. Even though it was a, a pretty pretty good chance to to make the points, I just didn't think it was the right play for for trying to win the game. Um, that of course he missed it. Yeah, yeah. Whew. that's a lot of things to clean up on yeah. some on, and that's another thing that special teams is is a little nerve wracking, a little more nerve wracking than it has been in recent years. So I'm curious if some self scouting will fix some problems on they're remarkably technical about how they look at kicking mechanics and that's why everybody else takes the ravens kickers and whatnot is is randy brown's very good at that and remember when stout first came in there's a whole bunch of go cam stuff that they were looking at you know how he was holding the ball and whatnot and it didn't look like to me it was the hold, and I couldn't necessarily tell from either TV angle. There's no way you'd tell it from all 22, but I couldn't tell from either TV angle whether or not he actually slipped. There's definitely rubber coming up, but I think rubber kind of always comes up when you when you plant hard on on that kind of turf. Um, he might have lost a little bit of of ground there. I remember when they when he kicked at the soccer stadium in 2018, he missed two field goals. Both of them were fairly long you know, mm-hmm. 48, 49 plus, maybe one in the fifties, but he'd, uh, he had made all his kicks that weren't blocked under 57 yards for 106 in a row. I want to say at that. Point. Yeah. 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 So uh, I, 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 I think I saw, he may have mentioned it on X that he didn't take a breath before he kicked that one. And I went back and watched it. And you see his normal routine when he gets to the top of his get ready to kick right before the snapper snaps and the holder, you know, basically calls for it. He takes a deep breath and then he goes. He didn't do it on the 44 yard field goal. He rocks back and then he goes. Hmm. 
And I think he, he mentioned it on X. He's like, he knew it himself. He's like, I've never not reset myself at the top. He's like, I got lazy or something along those lines. I got nervous. Yeah, that's sniper talk. That's, uh, you know, shooting between the heartbeats kind of stabilize the rifle thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> we, we had some really oddball officiating in this game. Obviously, there were some some quest- questionable spots. The Ravens lost a sack to a three-yard miss spot of the football. Pierce ran Herbert out of bounds a yard short. It's, it's very clear. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's clear as day. He's, uh, he's on the white. And it's a uh, should have been a one yard loss, but somehow they they misspotted the ball by three yards, which is t- titanic in football for them to miss by that much. Yeah. And a, an S minus one became a run for two, and uh, you know obviously Pierce loses a sack on that one. Um, I, I I guess the other thing to talk about is the challenges. D- did you okay? So they had let's see. There was a there was a challenge that could have occurred on a run by Jackson where they came up just short, mm-hmm. and I think that might have been the run where they then ran it out of out of a direct snap to Edwards and missed it. Not a hundred percent sure, but but anyway, yeah. that one could have been challenged, but it was bringing up fourth and very short, and they didn't. Um, maybe it was too close to reverse. Any strong feeling about that one? No, that one was. It could have went either way, depending on what they looked at it. So I wasn't – that one didn't bother me. Right. And then the other one was the Aguilar one, which was pretty obvious that he'd made it because he fell over the player. And, I mean, the video was very clear that he made it. But it would it brought up a third and one instead of a fourth and one. And so maybe they just felt like it wasn't worth the challenge. If you, lo- if you lose this challenge, it's still one of your two challenges if you don't – if you don't – you know, otherwise make your other ones. They might have just felt it wasn't worth it, and they didn't try it there. But I would have thought that their guys in the booth would have told them pretty quickly that was a that was clearly a first down. I'm not so much mad about them not challenging that. Mm-hmm. What I'm mad about is, I don't know if it was literally the next series, but Zay Flowers. They say he got touched, and they re-spotted the ball four yards deeper. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I'm just like, you couldn't have done that the series before? <laughs> and, like, y'all have y'all did it two weeks prior in the Seattle game where you called down, and they literally just moved the ball without nobody saying anything. Right. That was that half-yard move, right? That, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So I'm yeah. just like, are we going to be not consistent or we trying to make drama and make the team use a challenge? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems kind of odd if we're going to respot, yeah. you know, the quarterback one and then not do that one and then turn around and respot a very, I don't even know if he was touched or his knee was down with Zay Flowers on that one. And we respotted that one. So it was just, Interesting all night. Yeah, really. Uh, uh, and then, of course, they they did challenge the play, which looked like the most lateral of laterals ever, like directly lateral right along the 42 yard line or whatever it was um, on the lateral that converted third and 17. So mm-hmm. big, big play. Yep. And obviously, if if they get an illegal forward pass there, it's a loss of down. They're going to have to punt the ball. So it was, it was it was a high leverage challenge there. And so Harbaugh said that's the reason he did it. He thought it was close enough that it might get reversed. Of course, close enough usually means it's not going to get reversed. But I, I don't have a problem with that challenge. I didn't have a problem with passing up the Aguilar challenge. I think the Lamar challenge, the first one was the one, if any, that you could really kind of complain about and say, I don't think that's the right call. Um, and maybe they didn't have enough information when they by the time they had to make the call on the lateral. So they had to kind of go with what they thought they saw on the field and go with it. But it 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 didn't it turned out to be fairly compelling on review that it was a, a, a straight lateral and nothing they could reverse. Yeah. So I think on the on the particularly on the lateral, I think it was in a game earlier this year that they mm-hmm. made the change mm-hmm. that even though the ball went backwards, the runner caught the ball in front 
of where the lateral had taken place. So technically, that is a forward yep. pass. So I think that's what they were thinking was because if you look at the replay, he laterals, I think, at the 42, and the guy catches it at, like, the 42 and a half. So it was like, uh it, it's It's where he first touches it. It's not where he actually like collects the football or right. gets Bean's possession. So I, I to me, it looked like 42 and 42. It looked like it was right on the line. But yeah. anyway, the previous play, and this is why I, I kind of like challenging those plays if you don't have time to see the video, is there's a physics thing going on. When he laterals that football and he's moving forward himself, the ball is also moving forward at the speed at which he's moving forward. So he's, he's, you, you, you've, you've got a little bit of advantage in that respect that you might be able to get and and yeah it didn't work out this time but i didn't really have it honestly i no. thought that the, the set of challenges was pretty good and if if i was going to complain about it, it would be the lamar run that was just out of bounds so totally. anyway what it was uh what else we want to talk about here um let's move on to some other general thoughts from the game uh i i'm continue to be very impressed with hamilton as a player in terms of him moving all over and he's, he's basically playing slot uh, for most of the plays, which is most of the plays, they're in big nickel now, and he's he's at slot corner. Um, how do you, how do you look at him in terms of you get an extra linebacker on the field, kind of at slot corner when you do that? I I look at him as as the X factor. He you can put him if you want to shut down something that they have involved in their game which was they want to get out in space. Mm -hmm. He's going to defeat that one-on-one blocker 95% of the time. Yeah. And he has proved week in and week out that you just, you can't attack him out there. You can't run screens out there. You can't Mm -hmm. run wide. And if teams decide they want to get pass happy, you just drop them in, in half safety and no one throws over the top. So it's just like, pick your poison on what you need and having guys like Molette who can kind of step in at those opportune times where you want Hamilton in the back end, but still feel confident enough with a guy up there who can make plays. I think is a testament to what Hamilton brings and the smart move they made last year by slowing everything down and just saying, you're just going to be a big nickel for the rest of the year. We're not going to move you to the back. We're not going to do anything. We're going to settle you down and make you play football. And it's been the best thing that they did. It's it's, it's definitely been very good. And now I think the the, the question starting the year was, where is where can he become a superstar to me? And, and all other questions about where you position players, whether you play stone or a slot corner are secondary to that. But the truth of the matter is, after seeing him play at both positions, he's he's not a bad deep safety. He's got good instincts. No. He gets the football. He's, he can he can play zone defense well, but he's much more impactful underneath. And you know he can rush the quarterback. And here's the thing: I want to go back to the first thing you said in response to that, which is talking about taking away the outside plays and his ability to defeat blocks out there, particularly in the wide receiver screen game. But there's a lot more he can do for you too. Incredible, incredible horizontal defender. I'm trying to think of any Raven in team history who is good at defender horizontally. I don't think they've ever had one. And, you know, you talk like players like Bart Scott who were, you know, quick and and, and diagnosed very well. Adelis Thomas maybe is the kind of athlete we're talking about here, about a guy who can get out certifiably on a screen pass. Suggs had tremendous instincts, you know, getting getting to that. But yeah. as far as a guy who gets out in space, makes tackles, defeats blocks, does exactly what you want. I mean, this is a, it's a special set of athletes that are in yeah. that group. And and I can't think of a better one. And frankly, I'm having trouble thinking of a better one that I've ever seen play. And, I, you know, I, I could be made to believe it. I could be made to believe that, hey, I'm not thinking of, you know, the honey badger was better at his best or somebody else. But um, he's a very special player. I mean, he's he's more athletic than Cam Chandler. Yeah. Even though Cam Chandler kind of redefined kind of that drop in the box type safety. Yeah. What you could do with it. But athletically wise, I I don't see. It it was what Isaiah Simmons should have been. 
if he was used correctly. <laughs> and and when Arizona botched it, it was like, oh, you can't find someone to be that, you know, that nickel who can do everything. Because we saw that against the Chargers where my man ran with the fastest dude on the Chargers on a post corner mm-hmm. and didn't miss a beat. The other, the other player, I guess, currently in the league who is a similar type defender, but they don't really use him this way, is Derwin James. And you know, they, they were supposedly this is the week where they're going to move him back to star. They're what they call slot corner, same big nickel kind of role that they were they're were, they were going to use him in. He's just he just doesn't have the same sort of. Um, uh, I don't know if I really call it anticipation. He's probably just not as good a pass defender as Hamilton is when you get right down to it. He's a, he's a great pass rusher in his rookie year. You know, he brings everything that Hamilton does as a pass rusher, you know, putting some elusiveness, ability to line up right on that edge. But what, what we've seen from Hamilton in terms of him using his length effectively on the outside, I mean, the schemed up interception, and by the way, that was schemed up right off the bat. He was three yards off ball, ran directly into the line between Watson and Njoku, Tipped that ball high up like a basketball player, and then he was he was up for the rebound like uh, Elijah Wan, yeah. and uh, and brought it down and took it in. I mean, it's just a, it was a that was just a gorgeous play. Gorgeous. Uh, it, it's it's amazing when you can have a guy like that, and as a defensive coordinator, like what can I do with him mm-hmm. to piss someone off today? <laughs> <laughs> There you go. And you just you just think it all week. What, what can I, ah, yes, this is what I get. Kyle, can you come here for a second? This is how we're gonna and and to have that and then have a Marcus Williams behind him, even at 85%, 90% is what what'd you think about Marcus in this game? Because I, I thought he looked pretty well close to full. I didn't see any problems with tackling. I didn't see him go in with his shoulder on plays. Each and every week, he's gotten better. Last week, after he got back from the hamstring, he looked a heck of a lot better prior to, you know, when he came back the first time. And he's becoming more active in the downhill Mm-hmm. Um, short passing game. And I think if he had a working, a really working second arm, he would have picked the two that he knocked down. I think he picked those in regular Marcus Williams fashion. Could could be that the, the, the first one, it seemed like it was an extension for the PD. The second one, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was on the field. It wasn't also on the left side, was it? Yeah, it was on the left. It was right off of the left hash. He was okay. coming down either for the tight end or the wide receiver who had hooked up. Okay. All right. I'm 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 still having trouble. One was with Hamilton. They both got PDs and and Hamilton shouldn't got a PD. He never came close to touching the ball. But he had great coverage. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that was that was the post corner yeah. that he got his hand on. And then later in, in I think it was either earlier in the game, he came down hard. Um might have been the first drive of the game when he came down hard. And he broke up with his uh, left hand where I felt like if he had his right hand usage, he would have brought that to the party and gotten to it. Because he did it last week, too, where he broke it up and he got his left hand in there. But I was like, regular Marcus would have gotten two hands on that one. I, well, I, I, I would really we the Ravens could really dearly use Marcus Williams, the ball hawk, back on the back end, but it would kind if we're getting kind of greedy with that. I'd rather have you know Jonathan Ogden the left tackle than I would. Maybe Walt Williams, Walt Williams at right tackle. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually okay with Moses right now. I mean, he didn't have the greatest game, but uh, but he's had a pretty good season. And it's Stanley is the problem right now. It's just yes. got to figure it out. You know? Hopefully this two weeks off will yeah. help him. Yeah. He, he needs – we – or change is going to have to – you're going to have to do something different. You know, it's – Jeff Z called for it, you know, in a, in a Twitter – 
thing today. He said, you know, maybe they need to consider McCary or I forget exactly how he worded. They might have to consider McCary. Um, McCary is, is, is not a uh, much above a replacement level player. He's kind of a slightly below average uh, option at left tackle. He's had some really bad games this year, yeah. um, but, but, he's, but he's had also an A game at right tackle. Actually, an A plus is the only A plus by Ravens lineman as I've scored it the entire year, and he's uh, he's you know he's certainly been a bouncy in terms of his uh, of his uh, uh, where his performance has been. But Stanley, he's way outscored Stanley on the year. He's outscored him by a mile, and it's it's hard for me to 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 really say you know you shouldn't make that move at this point. And I'm afraid we're seeing the last few games of Ronnie Stanley as a Raven right now. Uh, hopefully, it's hopefully it's another. Nine games, but yeah. I think these may be the last nine. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a sneaky uh, first or second round pick. Wouldn't be sneaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, because everybody's going to be focused on, you know, a lot of guys who are leaving on defense, particularly mm-hmm. Queen, possibly Justin. Um, you're going to lose some safety. You're. You're gonna to have to make decisions on Clowney and, and Noy, and then you are you picking up Bateman's fifth year option? Are you bring? Oh, there's a whole host of questions. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting. So the, the Ravens have had this historic split of being not able able to stop the run in the typical Ravens fashion. They've given up four and a half yards per carry. For the season, I mean, the Ravens—they've never accepted that. This year, they've accepted it. This is the deal. We're going to be a great pass defense team because we'll play. So we'll start in too high on most plays, and we're going to—if if you want to run at us, go ahead. We think we can stop you. We think we can we can beat you with six in the box or or six. Uh, uh, you know, you can you can run your eleven against our nickel basically all you want to. And other teams have had you know modest success doing that, but when that translates to 4.2 yards per pass play, which is the best by a mile in Ravens history, uh, you know, it's, it's been a great trade for the Ravens. Sometimes as, as a defense, you have to give up a little to gain a lot. Yep. And they're willing to say, if you want to sit there and run, 18 plays and get three yards in the cloud of dust, four yards here. You may break one seven here and there, but if you're patient enough to do that and score a touchdown, that's, that's a different ball game. You get inside of 25 with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. It's okay. After that point, you're going to see what happens. So I think they have played to their strength early on in the season until their pass rush caught up. Now the pass rush is consistent. It's a madhouse up front, and it's and it's helping the secondary be even more suffocating. And and that's not, you know, turning into turnovers per se in terms of interceptions, but it's turning into sacks for the guys up front because they're they're holding on to the ball a little bit longer because they're taking away the first option right away. And making the second one look a little murky. No, no one has been testing the Ravens deep at all. Not since, well, even since before Geno Stone really started on his incredible run, no one was really testing them deep at all. Herbert, who throws a lot of deep balls, had something like five thrown 15 yards or more in this game out of 44. It might have been seven, but he was like two of seven or something on those throws. It wasn't, it wasn't anything really dangerous. One play was the very first play of the game. I'm sorry, the third play of the game where, where he had the pass right to Everett, I think it was, for 31. I think it was Everett, the tight end. Yes, got the over. The defense. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, a handoff to nobody in that situation. So you, you, you probably had some post-play talk going on that I couldn't pick up on the TV angles. Uh, in terms of what was going on, but somebody blew that assignment. So uh, it was it was most likely Stone. Yep. Because he got he got Izzy into the backfield. He saw Herbert was about to break, and he took a step to the right and lost Everett as he came across. Mm-hmm. And then when Justin bounced back into the pocket, there he was. Yeah. Uh. 
And then other than that, they did throw a 17-yard out on the left side that was over Hamilton in front of Stevens in cover three. And it looked like to me on that play that that was probably not going to be defensible no matter what. But Stevens did not react quickly enough to that ball. Like he wasn't really in the right spot to um, contribute to defense, even if the throw had been a little off, say. In that case, the the throw was in such a perfect position. There's no way they're going to be able to defend that ball. Yeah, absolutely. And and I will say this by Mike McDonald and the staff in terms of scouting. They realize that San Diego does not like to do anything in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. It is it is barren world if you look at how much San Diego throws over the middle. And and it's very limiting to their offense. And I I said it on on X after the game, like immediately after the game, when I watched the last play on the fourth and six, I don't care what defensive coordinator you are. You're an absolute demon to drop two defensive tackles on a fourth and six play in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. 50 yard line. Like you have no issues. Cause you already knew where the ball was going. It was going outside to uh, Keenan Allen that you knew it, you knew it. And you, and you said, Here's my here's my wildest blitz that <laughs> I shouldn't run, but you know what I'm gonna do today? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and and they did that on right. consecutive plays, by the way. Third and six and fourth and six. Yes. On the third and six, they drop and they've done this a fair amount of times. Pierce has, has picked up about oh fifteen or twenty coverage snaps now on the year so far. I don't have the exact number, but uh really love the effort. On the uh, to yes. dive for the interception, that was nice to see. And then, and then the previous play, they kind of did throw back to the middle, and it was in the four slot between the numbers and the right hash, where Queen um, made a play on the football. So that was, yep. you know, it's it is definitely where the Ravens' coverage weakness was on those plays. But uh, great to see him, uh, great to see him make that play. That was a huge one. That was yeah, that was that was necessary because teams had lately been picking on him just to touch. With the yep. uh, with the running back out in space a little bit, yeah, he did a real good job with Eckler in this game in particular. He, he only really had, I think, only really had one bad play against Eckler, and we'll get to that a little later when we talk Queen. I did want to talk about Herbert back to, in this game because the Ravens are on this historic run and they have a chance to set the record for post nineteen eighty two for the best ever um, uh, team in terms of yards per pass play allowed. And that, that's the 2008 Steelers at 4.3 yards per pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were about 0.12 ahead of them right now. And this was a game where you go into San Diego, you're playing on the road, you're playing on turf. You're, you're, you, you know, you've got Justin Herbert, who's one of the guys who can certifiably pick a zone defense apart. You would figure that this would be a, a, a place where they might have a chance to do it, but they're right on him. They scheme was great. They, uh, we're in position. They gave him fits with pressure. They gave him fits with eyes in the backfield. Um, Keenan Allen was the only guy he trusted, and he completed the first 14 passes to him in this game that he that he threw to them, and then the incomplete on the last two. But uh, uh, even that, I mean, it was dink and dunk stuff to Allen for most of the game as well. Yeah, Stevens did a heck of a job with the majority of the snaps. Um, that he handled with Keenan Allen and that one in the 18 play drive, that was the only series of plays. They actually targeted Allen like on like, I mean, it was probably six or seven plays in a row at one point and they were force feeding them and they were only picking up four, Mm -hmm. three, seven. Like it was a master class in how to keep things in front and then punish it in front of you. Cause they had three fumble turnovers. Like that's when you know you're hitting hard as a defense is when you get multiple fumble recoveries and not like strip quarterback. I'm talking about guys catching balls in the middle field yeah. that were happening and balls being dislodged. Now, I, I see that. I want to hear your reaction to this as a linebacker, but I see that as as great um, rallying to the ball tackling, which, by the way, is one of the things you get with zone defense because everybody's watching the same freaking movie, 
Okay, mm-hmm. you're all looking at that what <laughs> happened at the same time. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 they are. And and as and when one man gets the ball, Roquan Smith actually got the primary tackle on the one where he got the he uh got the strip strip fumble. But that's because he got the fumble, he got the primary tackle. Clowney was actually there first, and that allowed Smith to pry the hand loose from I think it was Allen on that play and and uh and dropped the ball. It might have been Eckler, but whichever I know is one of each. Yeah. But uh but uh, uh it, it was a it was a great play by uh by Smith on that, but it was a great play by Clowney dropping to coverage, you know, getting there quickly, being able to identify what was going on. And obviously it's it's the best possible situation for him and in, in that they were actually kind of targeting him on the play. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, you know, wraps up a course and, and Smith has a chance, but it is, it is one of the real benefits of zone defense. And the Ravens hadn't been doing very well in this because they'd only it had seven forced fumbles on the year, which is way too low for their sack total for starters, mm-hmm. but also for this rallying to the ball motion. And then this game, they, they went three for three in, in getting fumbles recovered on fumbles forced before it was two for seven, which was the worst rate in the entire league. Yeah. Um, first thing is first Clowney actually opened wrong and was athletic enough to flip his hips, see the guy and mm-hmm. still make it. A five ten guy would have issues doing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> six, six guy making wheel turns on the hash. I'd be scared, but, um, when zone defenses are built for, like you said, just rallying to the football and, and everyone seeing the same movie at the same time. And sometimes it takes a while for turnovers to show up. And when we always say on defense, when, when, when turnovers happen and they happen in a certain, certain way, they come in bunches mm-hmm. and, and, you're starting to get the feel that the weather's getting a little bit colder. The zones are getting a little bit tighter. Football's getting a little more slick. All that preparation, all that work all year long about running to football, having two or three guys, it's going to start paying off because now guys are going to get hit by two guys and that ball's going to be just a little more slick. And it's going to no fault of them not carrying it properly, but sometimes that ball cold is slick. Out. Yep, yeah, it's going to pop out. That's definitely a good point. Uh, lots of bests for the Chargers in this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna put off talking about Zay Flowers a little bit until the until the offensive pod. To me, I just got things to say about it. I don't want, I want to use this time better with you. We <laughs> can say about this, but uh, uh, there are lots of bests in this game. You know, the first uh, TD-less game that the Chargers had in 48 games. Uh, the fewest points they'd scored this season, they they'd scored ten um, in this game. Obviously, to seventeen twice uh, previously between Dallas and Kansas City. Third lowest quarterback rating, the third fewest passing yards, and the second lowest yards per pass. So all around fantastic defensive effort. You do expect the Ravens to be above average in some of these categories, but to go in and play an offensive team like the Chargers, which I'm not saying they have a lot of weapons in terms of the passing game because a lot of it's Keenan Allen. But they do have Herbert, and Herbert can put the ball right on some receivers, even ones who are not necessarily, you know, he can make use of an Erickson. He can make use of an Everett, as he did in this game. And, uh, uh, you know, they held him to 4.1 yards per per pass, which is just freaking terrific. What the Ravens are proven, if you – if you're n- unwilling to attack them down the seams – with aggressive route combinations, you're not going to be able to move the football. Cleveland was was willing to do that with Deshaun Watson and push those seams. I haven't seen another team willing to do it. Yeah. And they, go ahead. I was going to say they did they did two other things in that game I thought were really good. One is I thought Watson really decoded pressure very well in that in the second half of that game when he went 14 for 14. And as as the Ravens were trying to stunt, the ball was out quickly. Now, one thing you know as a defensive player is stunts take time. They're they're yes. they're great at confusing offensive linemen, but it takes three seconds usually to get home on those plays. So you better have coverage on the back end. And he was just too good at getting the ball out. 
And what made that additionally damaging is their run game is a very heavy run game with Ford. Their screen game is a very heavy screen game with Njoku, and that put Williams at risk as a tackler. Yes. I, I saw PFF only had one missed tackle for Williams, but that doesn't count the seven other tackles that he avoided trying to make. <laughs> by, by just, or, or just pushing the guy off into the sideline. Yeah, hurting him. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Which All is right. I, th- I, I, you know, I, I hope that's behind us, you know, at least in terms of, of, of teams being able to aggressively go after the seam because yes, the middle of the field is, is some of the places where the, where the, where cover two is at most at risk. It's not always that simple though for the Ravens, right? Because I mean, you see them, they, they play all these matchup zones. They play all yep. sorts of different scheme coming off of that. Oftentimes a lot of that's predicated on what that slot corner is doing. And one of those safeties has to rotate down, usually stone to come into the box and cover that, that uh, you know, slot receiver more effectively. But uh, they, they do a great job. I think of starting from cover two is always good about um making the other team fear throwing deep. Yeah. I I think they do a very good job of everything looking like a two shell. If it's Mm -hmm. two read, two man, two under, Mm -hmm. if it's rotating in the three, if it's rotating in the robber, um, in the zone fires, however they, you know, Mm -hmm. explain it on their end. It's just, if when you look at the old Chicago Bears, everyone when Lovey Smith was there and they played a lot of a lot of two coverage, it wasn't so much that they played a lot of two coverage. Everything looked yep. like cover two. So when even post snap, it was hard to decipher if it was cover two or cover one, you know, cover one or cover three, because their safeties were so good with late rotations. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing the same thing here in, in Baltimore where everyone knows every, every, each other now. There's no second guessing. There's no, oh, where is he going to be? He's going to be there because he's been there every time I've looked back there before. So I have no question in my heart, my mind, and my ability that if I do what I'm supposed to do. Trust your teammate. Trust your teammate. And if he's not going to be there, that's not on me. That's on my teammate accountability there you go uh defensive line i thought played extremely well across the board every single defensive line this does not happen often every single defensive line and the interior guys i'm talking about the big five either had a, a, a share of a sack or a fumble recovery or both in this game and um <laughs> that's that's pretty freaking incredible urban recovered a fumble pierce recovered a fumble pierce should have had a sack but they misspotted the football um Matt Abike and Travis Jones shared a sack. So it's half a sack, I guess I'm saying when I, when I say that. And uh, who, who's the last one I'm forgetting who also had Cloudy. a sack? Cloudy. Cloudy. No, 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 no. D- interior DL. I'm sorry. Oh, Washington. Washington. Yes. Yes. Washington. Yeah, Welcome nice back. back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like the fact that he was, that he was a healthy scratch. I wondered if it was an illness or something, but I, I oh man, do I hate starting an NFL game with only four defensive linemen. Just it hurt them against Cleveland. They won't do it again. Yeah, I hope you're right. <laughs> I really hope you're right. Well, if you if you if you saw a couple things that the Ravens did defensive front, they busted back into their old school three four just to show everybody if you if you're gonna think you're gonna run down our throats. No, we still have this in the bag, and with Pierce Washington and Jones. Oh, you mean they they play base defense? You're saying they play base defense? Yeah, yeah. A handful of snaps. It still wasn't much. They're they're a, they're a nickel team. Yeah, it's, they just sprinkle it in there yeah. just to let you know. So, so <laughs> you, I mean, I know you know this is a defender, Denard. So I'm not I'm not telling this to you, but there, there's really the the offense dictates what the defense is yep. is played. So it's the offense decides when you're going to play nickel and when you're not. And there's only one personnel package where the defense really has a has a choice, and that's twelve. Now, 12 is fairly common in the NFL, but a lot of teams don't really play it at all. They don't, they don't have a second tight end they like to get on the field. And, and then some teams do. The Chargers have, I guess they have a couple of tight ends. Everett was the one we saw most of the game, but 
you know, when they did have a choice, when you have a choice to play 12, the Ravens have the ultimate nickel corner for that in Hamilton because he's perfectly good against a flex tight end, and he and he's perfectly good at stopping the run if you want to try and run it out of 12 with two inline guys or put yeah. one in the backfield and have one in line or whatever you might want to have. But it's the one choice package that they that they really show. And, and the Ravens have said, you know what, screw it, we're playing nickel every down pretty much at this point. And they're now at 83.3% nickel on the year. So, uh, and you look back to just to, to provide some context on that base defense in 2019, they ran 10.2% base defense. I'm doing these numbers from memory. So it's, it's been a while and they ran 42 and change of dime or quarter personnel. It was almost all dime that they ran this year. They've had five total dime snaps, five, the whole year. The last one is at the end of the first half when, when Mullet had the interception, and they've run, you know, eighty-three and a third percent nickel, basically, and and uh, and the rest is a, a mix of base, a couple of snaps with three, and one snap with one defensive back at at the goal line. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's a flashback to the old, not old, but the, the Legion of Doom, when it just sat five guys of the same mm-hmm. caliber with two linebackers and said. You know we're running, mm-hmm. trying to beat it. Yep. And it's yeah. like when the, when the Steelers had that run where they just played literally 12 <laughs> defensive players, 95% of the staffs. Like, no, we're just – this is our best 11, 12 guys. Like, beat them if you can, and we're going to run them into the ground otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> It's very, very hard. I mean, you mentioned the three yards of the cottage dust, but it's very hard to, to, to manufacture a 16, 18 play drive without something going wrong. And even in this game, look, the, even the, the 18, 20 play drive, including penalties, uh, ended up with a sack fumble that went empty. So uh, pretty nice. And a hook uh, a lateral on a third and 17. And took and that took that to extend it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. All right, let's see. Let's move on a little bit here. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about packages there. Um, let's see. Talk about the diamond. Oh, you know, one package they brought back in this game was the rush nickel. Now, the Ravens had almost played this none this whole year, but they had two snaps of it where they put in a third outside linebacker. Um, I thought it was interesting. And if they could get a fourth outside linebacker back, they could go back to some of these kick inside plays. The funny thing is, Pierce has been so effective as a pass rusher this year with Matabike on the inside. I almost wonder if that would provide him more. But if the, I guess if the guy was Bowser, you'd have some pass rush flexibility you'd gain out of it. Yeah, I think that's probably why we haven't seen a lot of that package because you don't – I mean, you didn't see a lot of Robinson in this game. No. no. Um, so, you know, they're starting to hone in on who's going to be – the snaps going into December. So they're probably thinking about that package a little bit more. They wanted to see a couple snaps on film before they went into the break mm-hmm. and the charges is a good team to run that against them because you know, you're going to get four wide receivers a ton of times and to give them a different look. So I, you want something a little bit different because you know, you're going to see, a, a Mahomes at some point where you want to give him a different look. You're not always giving him a four a four man you know down look to just kind of pick you apart. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the plays that Queen was the outside guy and got blocked on a sweep, and I was just I it just can't happen. Uh. The Ravens still have some trouble getting off blocks at linebacker. It, I, it's Roquan is good. Queen is still not very good at it. He has to use his quickness to evade blocks. It seems like he's just not very good. Once they get stuck, they are pretty sticky in terms yeah. of, of uh, sticking. <laughs> he's not very violent with his hands once he makes contact. Roquan's good with it because he understands that you got to be physical to point of attack. Queen will be physical when he can be physical first. Mm-hmm. Not second, and that's point. that's and that's kind of what you want your will to be, because he's going to be doing a lot of the run throughs. He's going to be 
dipping into things to make the big home run plays. You don't want your Will linebacker being a thud guy because then you just basically turn your life back into a 4-3. Well, you, so. you definitely don't want to want to have your Will guy be a slow guy. I yeah. mean, I don't I don't mind if he's a thud guy and, and can get off blocks too if he if he retains all the speed that I want out of my will. But you know, Bart Scott and and uh and Queen are maybe a little bit similar. Queen's the better athlete, no doubt about that. Um Scott did a lot of things awfully well in terms of being a very smart football player and he earned that. He understood schemes. Yeah. He understood schemes and and he understood if I'm physical first as a point of attack. I'm going to win 90% of those battles. And he didn't mind being wrong and fast <laughs> and figure it out when I get there. <laughs> I know it's it's been 15 years since Bart Scott left the Ravens to go to the Jets in 2009. So Rex Ryan went to the Jets. And I know there's some younger fans who don't know this story yet. But when Rex Ryan went to the Jets to take their head coaching job, he showed up at 12 o'clock midnight on the day free agency opened in his suburban or whatever truck he had and said, come on, Bart, we're going to New York. And he took him to the tour of their facilities and they got him signed before the Ravens could, could do anything about it. And Ray Lewis actually kind of angry about it. He, he, uh, you know, the, the, the jets were the team that was looking for a new linebacker and leader and somebody to give the green dot to. And, uh, the, frankly, the Scott signing kind of cock blocked him in terms of, of, uh, of his opportunity. It's so interesting you brought that up because I remember reading about how Bart called the Ravens at like maybe like 1210 or something Uh and said, I have this offer for, I think it was what, five for 35. Was that the deal? Might be, might have been, might have been that six for 48, whatever. I'll look at that. I don't want to know. It was a lot for the time. Because we had offered him before free agency open, I think five for 30. And I think the Jets guaranteed more money. We were just like, we were about to go into a salary cap purge because of the Holodi Nada Albert Hainsworth nonsense that we had to pay because the NFL couldn't keep the Redskins from uh, butchering the, the the salary cap with their lovely contracts for Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders. <sighs> yeah, there you go. Okay, I can't – I'm sorry. I can't find the salary for that. I did give it an effort there, but it's pre-OTC days. And uh, uh, it was a – it's not on so, Wikipedia. He, he, <laughs> there's probably some way. There's probably some way to find it. I'm just too slow for for during the show. Uh, did want to move on, talk a little bit about pass rush before we break here, and then we'll uh, we'll come back for part two. Um, this was a game where McDonald made use of both numbers and blitzes to good effect. He's used other elements of deception, but it was fairly straightforward in terms of using numbers and blitzes. Now, when I say numbers. A lot of people call those blitzes when you rush five plus. Okay, I, I just we'll talk numbers first. That's what that is. Um, it's when they rush five plus fourteen times, only thirty four yards gained by the Chargers on that place. So that's two point uh, four yards per pass when they rushed five. And I'm, I'm having struggling getting to the right page here, but that's when I happen to remember. And when they rushed four. They got three more sacks and three turnovers on 32 plays and gave up 4.8 yards per pass, which seems high to me now. I don't know why, but uh, but it does. <laughs> and, uh, but with three sacks and three turnovers, you, you go ahead and take that. The thing that's been incredible this whole year, Denard, is, is that the Ravens have been able to continually generate so much pressure with a four-man rush. And it's been some different four-man rushes, kind of like their two high shells morph into something different. But the, a lot of the four-man rushes have been things where – you're blitzing two guys like Mollett and Smith say with dropping the two interior defenders into coverage. Um, So they've had some, some tricky stuff, but still amazingly effective with the four man rush. I I think um, maybe it was Mike McDonald. Maybe it was Chuck Smith who said that the pass rush has become, has they're not individuals. It is a team pass rush. 
And if you need to see a difference, go watch San Francisco about a month ago when they were struggling. A lot of individuals, a lot of guys getting too far up the field, a lot of guys not willing to pinch and pull, do games and things along that sort. This whole front, everybody was going to get paid. (laughs) So they all basically said, listen, we all help each other. We all going to get where we need to get. And you have some guys who understand helping a friend helps yourself. And the games and the I don't think people understand when you watch certain games as as even a casual invert, uh, observer, some pass rushes look different. I mean, you can watch Cleveland and Cleveland's is not as ferocious, but it's destructive because of Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Now you watch Baltimore's. It's fanatic. It's ferocious. Their bodies flying everywhere. There's not really a clean lane for a quarterback to step into because there's always someone moving. There's a guy's arm in the way. There's just all-out battles going on up front, and it's not a lot of quiet battles. It's guys getting really like a bull in a china shop type deal. Like Make some noise in there and be aggressive in there, but also understand what, what the game plan is going in. I think there's two things I want to pick up on from what you said, because I agree with what you're saying there. A lot of the frenetic interior, in particular, of the Ravens' pass rush is stunt-based. They do a lot of stunting. It, it creates some slower pressures I mentioned earlier, but setting picks is one of the – it's sometimes thought of as a sacrifice. I actually think the underplayer, the pick setter, often gets the, the pass rush opportunity when the second guy's peeled off. Um, but, but the the – the way they have done that definitely creates it morphs the pocket more. The other thing that has driven this Ravens pass rush like nothing else is the high motor on everybody. I mean, Clowney <laughs> plays with an amazing motor. He gets first pressures with it, but he gets cleanup with it too. Matabike is a pure cleanup guy. I mean, he's a he's is he, his uh, total pressure total would not support the sack total he has under normal circumstances. His ratio of pressures to sacks is much lower. The typical players because he's such a good vacuum cleaner in terms of of picking up quarterbacks who are loose loose change in the pocket after somebody else has pressured them. Van Noy has a good initial move. He's had some cleanup ability too. Owe tremendous power and speed of power, and we saw Eurostep in this game that was really nice because I hadn't seen that from him. But w- wonderful, uh, you know, two way movie. It's, it's a. a uh, I, I, everybody has got something they do very well, but everybody's got a high motor and there's good first pressures. There's good finishes. I'm just loving every bit about this. There's something different up there for everything. You've got Clowney who is the strength, the power guy. You've got Van Noy who's a little more finesse with his spin moves and Mm -hmm. a little more of a cagey vet. You've got Owe, who is now turned into this almost monster speed rush from speed to power, kind of in the old Terrell Suggs kind of set you up a little bit, and then all of a sudden he's just in your chest making moves. You've got Justin, um, who is just a speed demon, and then you've got the two bushwhackers in in Jones and Washington, Mm. and then you have your your lovable teddy bear and and happy feet, Michael Pierce, yeah. who has probably the best f- feet for a big guy I've seen in a long time. It, it is. He's he's very good with his feet and very underrated in that way because you know if you see him running and we saw him chasing Justin Herbert with a certain amount of futility on that on that run to the right where he should have gotten a sack anyway, but it was really Herbert running out more to avoid. I, th- I don't know if it's Roquan or Queen, but it was another defender coming over to the sideline. It was a little few yards ahead of him. But Pierce has terrific feet in that short area, and he needs that to reestablish his leverage step after step. He's a great pad level guy. You, you, you start with that, and he, and he reestablishes that leverage step after step, and that's what you need. You need is choppy, Choppy steps and violent hands, and he's extremely good with those. 
Absolutely. I I enjoy watching him and if the, if if the Ravens are looking to make sure they're good going into the playoffs, I would make sure that they had a nice vet waiting in the wings just in case to protect yourself against a late season injury with Pierce or On the something DL, yeah. like that. Yeah. We, and Damakung Sue, does he fit the bill for you? Would yes. you want somebody a little younger? Yeah, okay. No. He he'd be a good fit for a nice eight, nine game run. That's all and, they got left at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so. He he's gonna give you old man strength at thirty seven and his veracity in his pass rush would just would add a dimension to rotate in that I think would be even more helpful. Would you, I mean, if you sign him and guarantee him any money, you almost have to bring him on the active roster immediately. He's a vet men guy. I mean, you, there won't be yeah. any question about that at this point. So, so the only question is, should he sign to a practice squad and you take then the risk that all the other 31 teams who might need the interior defender at any point because of an injury might snap him up like that, or do you just go ahead and bite the bullet, make the move, carry six defensive linemen, which I personally think they can afford to do. Yes, and and uh, and drop a safety or a or a corner. I, I guess I, I'm not even sure who it would be at this point that that they would cut. I guess if I really thought about it, I, I'd be able to figure it out. And, uh, but I don't I, think I, maybe cut Moster the center and bring him back on the practice squad. Mustafer, Mustafer, I got you. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, that's a much less of a risk than it was early in the year. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I was thinking, almost thinking Salah because he's just not ready to play at this point. But somebody else might pick him up as a project since he's got his four-year initial deal. Mustafer's in year five. No, he's not. He's in year four, but somehow he's cut as a vested veteran. I, I didn't. I never understood how that happened. I asked questions and I never got an answer. I, I was happy with, but he should have been, he should have been somebody who had to go through the waiver process and he didn't at the end right. of camp. So now he's, he's a veteran. You don't own any future rights on him. So I guess he'd be a logical cut at this point, since you're much less worried about losing any particular lineman the rest of the way, even though I think, you know, it's part of the strength of the Ravens is they have eight good linemen that they can still turn to. Yeah, and, and having um Bakari who can step in yeah on a meet um you know as a backup center for you know filling for the rest of the game or a game or two kind of helps that a little bit. Yeah. You could get Mustafer back in that period of time if he was on your practice squad. If he's on if if he's grabbed by somebody else, then you gotta go to the street and find a center. Because I think you're going to need McCarry to stay as your backup tackle. I don't think you can afford to actually have him at center for any games. Yeah. I mean, you're playing with fire, but I think that is a a risk that needs to be taken because that is my only concern going down the stretch. If one of those big three go down, Jones, mm-hmm. um, uh, Pierce, Pierce, and Washington. If one of those three go down, I'm I'm not as confident in us being able to hold up okay. defensively. Yeah, nose tackle is a fairly good longevity position in the NFL, and it is a position where there are a fair number of guys on the street. But if you want somebody impactful, you know it's it's it becomes harder and harder and harder as December rolls on, injuries. You know, and you're going to have to respond to a couple of these teams that are going to get Shaq. One's going to get Shaq Leonard. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Eagles, maybe the Cowboys. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other guys I think got cut. Possibly a Marcus Peters is out mm-hmm. there. If you just want some backup just in case, he knows the system. He's been around the team. You know, there's some moves that you can do to solidify some things. And it's about that time to reevaluate. So, who knows? Yeah, all definitely all a possibility. I want to go back to the pass rush now for a couple things. We'll finish this up and hopefully move on to the next show here. Mentioned three sacks and 32 four-man rushes, but off-ball blitzes, this was really great. They had 
15 off-ball blitzes spread over 13 plays. They had two doubles and 11 singles. 0.32 per play is more than double what they've been doing recently. So that was good. Here's the, the key number here. In those 13 plays, they averaged only 1.1 yards per play when they blitzed. That's not when they got pressure. That's when they blitzed it all from off-ball. And one of those was that intentional grounding where the penalty yardage is not included in there, but if it had been taken off, it would have been down to only four yards on 13 plays. That would be 0.3 yards per play. So incredibly effective blitzing. The the uh, Chargers did not have a single play over five yards when the Ravens blitzed in this game, so uh, very effective doing that. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say about the pass thrust, but I did want to get in the, that in there. Only a 38% pressure rate for the game, which is – Actually, a little bit lower than what the Ravens have been averaging. They've been probably averaging in the low 40s or even 43 44% um, so far. So this game was a little low, but uh, uh, still very effective. Yeah, Chargers had a lot of three-step, so mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that yeah. number might be a little skewed because they ran an enormous amount of screens mm-hmm. in the second half. So they actually had the exact same percentage. It was exactly, obviously, the exact same number of plays, but they had 18, 18 pressured and 18 ball out quicks, which are a lot of those are a lot of them are screens or swing passes to a running back or something that develops very quickly. The other one that's fairly, fairly common in this game was the slants to um, Allen. Mm-hmm. So they had a fair number of those. But yeah, you're right on the money in terms of that's exactly the reason why that number was low in the game was that they had so many ball out quicks. Yeah. Denard, always a pleasure talking football with you. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online or talk football with you if they want to. Um, you can find me at uh, at the Fire Zone Show, or you can find me at Denard13 on, on X. And hopefully we'll get back cracking, giving you out some more content on the Fire Zone. Uh, have you guys been going pretty regular so far this year? And that's still with Michael and who else? It's just It's just Michael and myself. Um, some, some health issues have come up between the both of us. So, um, hopefully after the bye, we'll, we'll finish the season strong. All right. Well, good, good to hear. Michaels is one of the really good guys of, uh, covering Baltimore football around here, extremely knowledgeable. And, uh, we always appreciate having you on the show too, Donard, as a, as a, uh, a guy we want to draw on your experience and whatnot, playing the game. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on X. Hit me up there, and I will respond to you very quickly. Had some good ideas coming today. People know this is a bye week. Great time to get some content produced over the course of about the next 12 days. Uh, And then uh, release it either all before the next game or slowly over the rest of the season. But uh, looking forward to talking to you if you have an idea. And uh, the smaller the idea, the better in terms of creating a short content. And that's what this is really intended to do. Denard, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.